0: Good evening. Isn't Jesus a wonderful reason to come together? And in Him we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. So much reason to celebrate and reason to rejoice. And and even if our circumstances look dim, we have, if we'll just change our focus, you can see the light and see it brilliantly. All right. Bright enough that you'll need sunglasses. Turn with me over to uh, the book of Second Kings in chapter 6, and I want to look at something tonight. You know, we are living in a time and in a season that is, you know, every year, every month, I think I say this, is unprecedented. We haven't seen this before, and so at least not in you and I's lifetime. Maybe somewhere in the thousands of years of, in history it's happened, but not in you and I's lifetime. We've never seen fuel prices where they are now. We've never seen food where it is now, the cost of everything, vehicles, houses, you name it, right? The uncertainty and, and, and what we're looking at, has it been worse in the past and for different generations? Oh, sure it has. Okay, but not in our lifetime. In you and I's lifetime, we have lived in the best of times. We have lived in a time where we have been reaping the benefits of those who came before us. I mean, we can travel the world in a mountain of, of hours, we can be on the other side of the planet. We have the ability to talk to one another face to face, watching each other's facial expressions, you know, FaceTime, whatever you call it, whatever your app is, Zoom, at at a moment's notice. And so we live in this time and in this season where we have so much to be grateful for, so much to take advantage of for the sake of the kingdom. But with that now is coming something else. You know, where there's great darkness, there's great light. And so, when things that are good come along, usually there's imitations that come along or perversions of the good. Right? And so we see that all around. Is the internet a good thing? Sure. You can preach the gospel to the whole world on the internet. You can also watch pornography on it. So, the issue isn't the internet. The issue is, is man's heart. Right? And so, for you and I, as born-again believers, as, as recognizing that we have the Spirit of God within us, and that we are called to such a time as this. This time, this season that we're in, hasn't taken the Lord by surprise. I mean, I think if, if you'd listen to some people, they, they would say it this way. The Lord's having a committee meeting up in heaven right now. He called all the angels together and He said, Hey guys, right now prices are at an extreme high everywhere. And we've got this promise out to all those people on the earth that we're going to meet their needs. And I don't know how we're going to do it. Do you guys have suggestions? How are we going to keep our promise to them down there? But see, that's not at all what is going on if you were to stand in the courts of heaven. He, he is not stressed at all <laughs> by these prices, and so neither should we be. He is not stressed by the, anything that's going on in the earth. There are things that, that affect him emotionally, right? There are things that pull on his heart, but I guarantee you price isn't one of them, right? All right, did you find 2 Kings? Let's look in chapter 6 and I'll begin reading in verse 8. Now this is uh, Elisha has come and he has taken Elijah's place as the prophet of God. And and so different things, amazing things have been happening in Elisha's life. But now here in verse 8 it says, When the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants, My camp will be at such and such a place. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. So Elisha, he has an inside track on what's going on. Now, as we go through this story, I want you to look for a few things. Look at how the Spirit of God leads him. Look at how his eyes are able to see into the spirit realm. I mean, his spiritual eyes. And examine how the Lord takes care of him in this story. And God's heart in the story. Because Elisha lived under a different dispensation than you and I live. He lived under a time of covenant with God, but Elisha treated God, Elisha's relationship with God was more like a business relationship than you and I, a father-son relationship, uh, you know, that we have with the Father. Because we've been made family. We have the spirit of him living inside of us. Elisha did not have that. He had the Spirit of the Lord come on him. He had some of the gifts of the Spirit come and operate through him, but he did not. He was not the temple of the living God, like you and I are. So everything that's going to be happening in this story for Elisha—do you think that under that old covenant, under that old business contract that that God had with His people on the earth—that what we have today as sons of God is so much better, is so much stronger? Than what he had then. So if God would do it for him. Under that old covenant. Then look at. Think about today. What would he do for you and I today? So keep your eye on that. As we as we read through here. Or your mind thinking that way. Alright. So he gets. He gets an inside leading. That you know what. The king is saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my camp. At such and such a place. So the man of God. Sends word to the king of Israel. Be careful passing by this place. For the Arameans Are going down there. So. You remember how Jesus said in John that the Spirit of the Lord, would, the Holy Spirit, would show us things that are yet to come, would tell us about what we need to know going into the future. Well, that's what's happening to him, and he doesn't even have the Spirit of God living in him. Right? This is something extra. This is something that you and I can have as a daily thing. And with this time that we live in, this season, there's so many unknowns right now. Is there going to be a nuclear war? Is there not? Is this? Is there not? You know, there's all these questions. But we have the greater one who knows exactly what's going to happen in the next ten years, blow by blow. He, we, we have access to him and can ask him and he can show us what we need to know. Do we need to prepare for something? He can tell you. Ask him. The problem is is that we allow fear to cloud our thinking. We allow fear to. Well, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me keep reading here. In verse 8, so he tells him this is what's going to happen. Verse, uh, verse 10, I'm sorry. Consequently, the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God had told him about. The man of God repeatedly warned the king so that the king would be on his guard. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded of them, Tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, who's the traitor? Who's going and telling on me? Who's telling them what our troop movements are going to be? Who's telling them where we're going to be positioned? Who's telling them our plans? Well, the Spirit of God was. The Spirit of the Lord. The same Spirit that you and I have access. He hasn't changed a bit. The only thing that has changed between then and now is sonship. Family. We're, We're called by His name now. You know, back then, He by covenant gave them His name, but there was limitations. He couldn't live inside of them. There were certain things He couldn't do. Now, we have the full expression of what He was setting out to do then. Not only His people, but His family. So, you want to know what the king of wherever is going to do? Ask the one that knows. You know, sometimes we just are lazy. Or we limit ourselves by unbelief. No, because it's really none of my business. Why would the Lord tell me? You know, or we, we do other make other excuses. We think someone else should be spirit led in our place. You know, several years ago, uh, coming into the landmark, it was two landmarks ago. A wife, Apostle Dale had told me, he said, "I want you to. Uh, I'm going to have you minister. I'm going to have you minister every day, and I'm going to have you." Um, Anyhow, so yeah, that was, that was all set out, that I was going to be preaching every day. The only thing I didn't know was when, what time slot, right? And that was the year that I had made brisket for everyone, if you remember that. And so I was having some stress trying to determine um, when do I need to be, because I need to be in at the beginning of every session in case it calls on me to minister, but I also need to have all these other responsibilities, because we were hosting the landmark and I was making all that food is to do all of that and get that accomplished. And so I would come in at the beginning of the service and wait until he said who was speaking and then I would go do the duties and things that I needed to do. And then I would come back in and, and I couldn't find a groove. I, I felt captive because I didn't know when I was going to speak. And so by day two, uh, day two, maybe it was this day one, third session, something like that. I'm feeling frustrated on the inside. That Apostle Dale, our own great Apostle Dale. I'm feeling frustrated, right? Think, well, why can't he just be kind enough to tell me? Why, why does he have to withhold, I mean, maybe he doesn't know either, but I mean, he's leading this thing. Come on, go be spirit led and figure out when I'm going to speak so that I can do what I need to do. That's what I'm thinking. And the Lord says to me, as, as we were in worship, and um, the Lord says to me, well, why don't you just ask me? Ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lord, why don't I just ask you? And so, uh, so I said, all right, Lord, what, when am I going to speak? He said, you're not. Yeah, okay, so you know, now you go back and you recheck. Am I hearing correctly? I'm pretty sure that was the Lord. Yep, yep, you check. Yeah, that's the Lord. I'm not going to. And you know what? Immediately I had peace. Because instead of putting the responsibility on someone else to hear from the Lord you have access to the Lord. You hear from Him. Now you can't hear from Him for something that... For example, the Lord isn't going to tell Josh what Jill needs to be doing in her life. Right? On a daily basis. Maybe there's a word of the Lord here in, in this kind of meeting. But I'm saying, He's not going to give Josh special instructions. If Josh says, what should Jill do tomorrow? The Lord's probably going to tell him, mind your own business. Right? So, so you have to recognize there are things that are within the realm that are my business and things that are not. Well, in this particular case, when the Lord said you're not, I was immediately able to relax. So I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go focus on what I need to focus on until that's handled. And then I can just sit in the service and, and, and enjoy the rest of them. Well, don't you know as we went forward, um, because that's how the Spirit was leading every day, I never did minister. And the Lord was exactly right. Even though we'd made plans, even though Apostle Dale had made plans, but yet when the time came, the Lord didn't lead that way. We're going to do it this way this time. And so we went through the whole week, and I could have been completely frustrated at the end of the week and missed out on some of the things that the Lord would have wanted to get to me because I got this fear of the unknown, this frustration all blocking what God's wanting to get to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? But because I said, you know what? The Lord loves me and He'd tell me too. Well, actually, the Lord said that to me. And I agreed with Him and said, okay, Lord. Then I was able to go on in peace and able to operate effectively for that week. Well, looking back here at our text, um, Elisha, you know, he doesn't have the relationship with God that I have or that Castor has or Levi or, or Jen or Adrian, Right? He doesn't have that relationship. It was a different kind of relationship. So would the Lord withhold from you? No, no. We just withhold from ourselves sometimes because we're stupid. All right, telling on myself. Where were we? In verse, uh, let's start in verse 12 again. One of his servants said, I guess verse 11 is where we'd left off. So I'll read 11 again to catch us up to where we were. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter. And he called his servants and demanded of them, Tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel. And one of his servants said, No one, my lord, the king. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, Even the words you speak in your bedroom. So the king said, Go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. Well, if you've got a problem, this guy, here he's a king. What do kings do? They solve problems or create problems depending on if they're a good or a bad king. But, but he decided he's going to solve this problem and just get the guy who was telling on him. There, we'll cut it off. Cut the phone line off. Lord can tell him all he wants, but if he can't go and tell him in person, what good does it do? We'll just capture him. So, he, when, he told, when he was told Elisha is in Dothan, verse 14, he sent horses and chariots and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, Oh, my master, what are we to do? This, this? Now, does Elisha have some sort of military training? Not that we know of, right? He doesn't have defeating massive army training, or experience under his belt. His servant is not a warrior either. I mean, maybe he has some experience, but they're two people against a massive army. This problem that has suddenly confronted them wasn't a problem of their choosing. But it's still a problem that they had to address. The problem that they're suddenly looking out over the wall at isn't going to go away if we ignore it. Oh, my master, what are we to do? Now, do you think it would have been possible for the Lord to have told them the night before that there's a problem coming and for them to get out of town before the problem arrives? Sure. Sure. And that's how we'd like it to be. We just want to miss all the problems. Right? We want to evade them all. But if you read Psalms 91... And if you read Psalms 23, and if you listen to the words of Jesus, He said you're going to have problems. And in Psalms 91, is all about being protected in the middle of the problem. Psalms 23 is about going through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil. Notice it doesn't say pitch a tent down there though. You're going through it. So if you're in the problem, don't camp. Alright, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? this problems here. You know, sometimes... Certain problems need dealt with. And the best answer to to those problems are you. With the Spirit of the Lord in you. You know, thanks be to God. He always gives us the victory. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do, Master? Verse 16. Elisha said, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now I have a question. Before this servant was aware that they were there, were they there? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing changed except in his awareness. The protection was already in place. He just saw it now. And when you see it, you begin to act differently, right? When you see, "Oh, he's got it. He's protecting me." Now you're not going to panic. But the trouble is is that, once again, we, we would just prefer to have seen them there to start with. before the problem ever arises, you know, it's just be easy if we didn't have to walk by faith. Let's just make it simple. right? Just be real nice if we just didn't have to do all this faith walking. It just fell on us like cherries out of a tree. But the truth is, if you want to please God, you're gonna walk by faith, not by sight. And the results that are gonna come through your walk of faith in the earth and you you pushing back the darkness. You know, a lot of times we sing songs about the Lord pushes back the darkness. He does this. He does that. And, and it's true from one side of it. It's true because Him in us is what does that. But the other side of it is we have a part. It's when we take action that He moves through us and it happens now. Right? And pushes the dark. We have a part. We have to speak to the darkness. We have to resist the darkness. We have to fight. And He brings the victory. Right? And He brings the victory. So let's not just look to the Lord to do it for us, but rather, we step out, we fight, and He helps us. So here, His eyes are opened. He sees this whole surrounding army, chariots and horses of fire, and there's more of them. Now earlier it said a massive army, but these guys, there's more of them than are with the enemy. Do you think that the Lord... You're going to think this is a trick question. It's really not. But it kind of is. Do you think that the Lord would help you or even send angels to assist you to do something that's not the will of God? Since I said trick question, you guys are slow to respond. Because right away we want to say no. No. That would be my answer if you asked me that, right? I would say no. But then we know that it was God's will that Jesus go to the cross. And Jesus said, I could call 12,000 legions to just end this. And he knew what God's will was, and he claimed to be able to call angels, this massive army that had showed up here for Elijah, that he could call them and stop this, which would not have been God's will. But his relationship with the Father as a son, are you hearing me? meant an awful lot to the Father. Or else Jesus lied. See, I think we carry a whole lot more authority in this earth than what we've led ourselves to believe. And we we tell ourselves, because we recognize the value of living holy and sanctified and and walking right. We recognize that these things are are things that the Lord desires in us. And that He has created us to walk those ways. So we sometimes disqualify ourselves. Well, I haven't... Yeah. You know, why, why have not I not received healing in this? Or why have I not received deliverance in this? Or why have I not, you know, seen the financial miracles that I'm believing for? And well, yeah, you know, you know, we begin to... We can come up with all kinds of reasons that would disqualify us. Rather than just standing firm in our faith that there are more that be with me than all these other forces that are against all right, let's, read, let's continue to read here. When the Arameans came against him, th- this I find interesting. Because he didn't, as soon, as soon as the chariots and horses of fire showed up, he didn't go, Voila! Blindness to all! You know? And everyone's struck blind and, Let's go out and see what these guys are up to. No, he waits until they actually attack him. Or come against him. He waited for them to make a move. They could have still changed their mind and left. But he waited until they made a move. And then he he prays. He says, Lord, please strike this nation with blindness. Or a blinding light. So he struck them with blindness according to Elisha's word. Again, the covenant Elisha had was less than the covenant you have. Why don't you all stand up with me if you're able to stand. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Say, the Lord listens to my words. The, Lord the Spirit of God lives within me. Alright, verse 19. Then Elisha said to them, this is, not, this is not the way. They come to Elisha, right? And it's when they come against him. I guess it's when they're at his door. He goes, no, no, this is the wrong direction. Here, let me take you to the place. Elisha has a sense of humor. Let's see where he's going to take him. Follow me. I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. To a completely different city. Leads a whole blind army. Think about that. This is not a small feat. Leads an entire blind army completely to a different city. And when they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord... Open these men's eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were in the middle of Samaria. All right, you may sit down. Some of you just needed to wake up. (laughs) Now, verse 21 it says, When the king of Israel saw them, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Should I kill them? Should I kill them, my father? He's like, this is our chance. We got them. They're in here. You know, I don't know. I mean, these guys can now see, so I suppose they could have fought. Maybe, maybe he had them lay down their weapons, or I'm not sure. Did they bring their chariots in? Maybe they all just walked in on foot. Either way, apparently, the position they were in was easy to be killed in. Because the king was, felt like he could do it. He was just looking for the go man, the go command. Elisha replied, don't kill them. Do you kill those you have captured with your sword or your bow? Set food and water in front of them so they can eat and drink and go to their master. Now, I like what this king does next. You know, he could have broke out the bread and the water. Gave them all a little bit something. Doesn't say that's what he did. So he prepared a big feast for them. Not a little one. Not the bare necessities. He went over the top. Big feast. So he sets out a big feast for them. Isn't this an example of you and I? We have the Spirit of the Lord within us. He leads us. He shows us things that are yet to come. Reveals to us how we need to prepare for things. When, when problems do arise, when troubles surround us, he shows us how to overcome them. And he, he's not looking to hurt people. He'll move through you to bless people even when they're your enemies. So He'll move through you to, oh yeah, do a feast. Isn't this just revealing God's love? When they had eaten and drunk, He sent them away and they went to their master. The Armenian raiders did not come into Israel's land again. Did not come into Israel's land again. So now there is protection. Protection. Now, the Armenian raiders, there was a history here. They had been coming in and raiding and doing things, and Elisha is hearing from the Lord where they're coming next. And so he would tell the king, and the king would go prepare for them to stop that from happening. Right? So that's one way to handle the problem. Tell you in advance, the problem's coming, so you can go out and deal with it. Right? We've all probably experienced that sort of thing before. Spirit of the Lord telling us the problem is going to come so that we can properly prepare for it. But on the other hand, if the Lord never would have, if He would have just kept dealing with the problem that way, and when that army showed up to get Elisha, He told Elisha the night before, and they gathered the things, they rushed away on their donkey, and went to a different city and escaped, and they just keep continually escaping, and escaping. It's hard to be effective when you're on the run. I mean, you can do things for the Lord while you're evading, don't get me wrong, but it takes up a lot of your energies and time and thought process and resource to be doing that. So the Lord answered the problem with, now it's not even necessary to tell you that they're coming to raid because they're not coming to raid anymore. And the answer was with him confronting the problem when the problem became bigger than they could now deal with in the natural I mean, before it wasn't the natural, it was a combination of the Lord telling them where the raiders are coming and then them going out and preparing in the natural for it. But now the problem's just solved. It's no longer a problem. They walked by faith. They operated with the love and insight of the Lord in it. The wisdom of God is how they operated. That was the wisdom of God in Elisha giving him a word of wisdom telling the king how to deal with this army. See, we need the wisdom of God because that has to do with the plan and will of God, right? right? For you and I's daily function, for our our function in this season of time that we're living in with all the uncertainty that's around us. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians and the first chapter, I think. Is there anyone here that believes that the Lord loved or was more in favor of the Corinthian church than He is of, let's say, Church of the Word? No. I don't believe so. Okay? I don't believe so. I mean, the Lord does have favorites. But the good news is, is He has many favorites. Right? Not just one. Because I'm His favorite. But I know that you're His favorite too. Right? <clears throat> Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this about the, the group of believers in Corinth. Now, we know that they had they had a bushel basket of problems that they were working through and dealing with. And all kinds of wild things were happening there. And, um, but he says this, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. Now, The grace of God that was given to them in Christ Jesus was in this new covenant and it's God's abilities and empowerment. In verse 5 he says that you were enriched in Him in every way in all speech and all knowledge. In this way the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Back up in verse 5 it says you were enriched You were enriched in Him in every way. And then he talked about, you guys, you don't lack any spiritual gifts. You know, you can go read in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. You can read in Romans 12 about some of the gifts and ministries of the Spirit. You can read in Ephesians chapter 4 about some of the gifts that the Lord gives. And all of these are supposed to work and function together and it includes all of us. It very clearly says in 1 Corinthians 12 that these gifts are given to every person. That every person receives these. That doesn't mean that you're walking or operating in it. That's another sermon, another story. But it's given to you. It's available to you. It belongs to you. And so here, just making the point that, the thing again, I'm, I'm just bringing this to the time that we're living in right now. That we're enriched in every way in the heavens. There is nothing, there is nothing that can unseat us from that place except we ourselves. Jesus said no one can take you out of the Father's hand except you could. You know, if you renounced Jesus and said, I'm done with Him, I don't want Him in my life, and then you could take yourself out of that. All right, worship team, you can come. I want to um, look at Another scripture in Romans while they're coming. <clears throat> Did the bombers come tonight? No. In Romans 8, listen to this. Paul is getting, he is, he is preaching, he's been preaching for eight chapters, and now he's really getting, he's letting her rip. He says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son who gave Him up for us all. How can He not also with Him grant us everything? This sounds a lot like that whole there's more that be with us than be with them. Amen. Who can bring an ac- accusation against God's elect? Who? He's saying who? I mean, God's the one who justifies you. Who can come against His justification? The answer's answer is nobody. Oh, the devil will try. Some people will try. But... It's a no-go. Who is the one who condemns? Well, we know that's, Christ, that's uh, the devil. It says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Intercedes for us. He said He would give us everything. If He gave Jesus for us, there's nothing He would withhold from you and I. So the whole point of tonight is this. That you not be in fear in this season that we're in. That you not look at the prices, not look at the inflation, not look at the threat of war, not look at those things and allow that to put you in fear. Because if you're in fear, that's going to block for you how you would operate if that fear was absent. And if you just had the confidence and love of God on the inside of you. Because when you become aware of the con- of, of the love of God for you, it gives you a confidence that you know what? We've got this. No matter if the wolf shows up at the door with a pitchfork in his hand, we've got it. We'll strike him with blindness if we have to. Right? But the answer is available for me. For you. So resist that fear. Resist the temptation to, to look at the wind and the waves. But rather look at the one who said... I'll meet all your needs. All your needs according to His riches. And they're not having a committee meeting trying to figure out how to come up with more riches. Because there's more than enough. More than enough for all of us. Alright, let's pray. Father, I thank You that You are more than enough for us and for our salvation and everything that's included in it. Father, thank You that You made us family with You and that You created us as temples for Your Holy Spirit, for Your presence. And Father, we make ourselves available to You that all the problems around us and that are in our culture and and are coming down the road, Father, that the answer lies within us and through us, Father, that we would be culture changers for you, Lord. That we, that we would step forward in boldness. Father, I'm asking you to give us that boldness, a greater boldness, a greater awareness of your presence, a greater awareness of your love for us, that we can walk confidently, unafraid, in the name of Jesus. Fear, I bind you. I do not permit you on our minds or in our persons. You have no rights in this house on on, on these people. So you just take yourself and be gone. And Father, I thank you for your spirit of peace. And I give peace to this household. Peace to every person. Peace to every individual. Peace to every person listening by the internet. Peace be on you and in you by the spirit of the Lord in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace. He is the Prince of peace. peace. The Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Are you at peace? Some of you are so peaceful, I almost heard a snore. Where'd <laughs> Levi go? He fell out, went to slay. Oh, he's back here. Before we go into um, the songs and worshiping the Lord in song, I want to... Um, talk a little bit about a transition that's taking place in our children's ministry. As you know, we will, and I'll bring them up, and we're going to honor them when, they, when they're here at the service. But Daryl and Reba have led our children's ministry for about five years, nine months now. And they have done a very good job. I've been very pleased with, with what they've done. It's been a um, completely... No con- no concern, unnecessary concern on me while they have been at the helm of our children's ministry because they just did it well. And, and I've been very, very grateful for them in our body. And we'll we'll bless them when they come next time. But they requested that they could step down. They're going to stay in children's ministry, just not lead it. And so we prayed and we asked the Lord what He would have us do. And I felt like... I'm pretty sure I know who it is, but I'm pretty certain that she's not going to agree to it. But what do you do? When the Lord puts it in your heart, you ask, right? And so Kelly, if you would, come up here and we're going to pray over you. Kelly Burroughs has agreed to to lead our children's ministry going into the next season. Honey, why don't you come? And um, we're just looking forward, right, to what the Lord is going to do and continue to do. You know, the things that we've been Ben, our children's ministry is not some sort of, um, how would I say, entertainment. All right? Our children's ministry is much more than that. Because our children's ministry is supposed to be real. On a child's level, but just as real as what's happening up here. Right? People touched by the Lord, people healed, people set free, people. Receiving Jesus as Lord. And then as we, they grow and they mature, there's certain different levels of understanding, right? So what, what our children's ministry leader has been walking out, and Kelly will continue to walk out, is understanding that what's happening with our children is just as important as what's happening here, if not more. They are the church of tomorrow, right? And so, unfortunately, not every home is perfect. Not every home is a place where, where children are taught about how to walk with the Lord, right? And so sometimes children will come in that the only place they're hearing that is at the church. And so we don't want to treat not even one time with our children as though it's insignificant. Because it is very significant. And we, we thank the Lord for all the godly homes and families that we have here that do a good job of, of teaching. Because it's first the family's responsibility, right? To raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. Alright, we have some flowers here for you. But we are going to uh, pray over you. But Father, I thank you for Kelly. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing that you have given to her. And I just ask you, Lord, to anoint her in even greater measure. To lead these, this children's ministry at Church of the Word. Father, with an understanding with vision of how and where. Lord, I thank You that You have brought her and, and Kevin alongside of, of Jen and I to walk in this house and alongside everyone else in this house. And Father, just bless them. Bless Kevin for the his part in in his sacrifice and in the things that he needs to do to make so that Kelly can walk in this role. We thank You for that. And Father, bless the both of them. Bind them together. Cause their time invested here to be multiplied back to them in Jesus name and amen you all right stand with me and let's worship him everybody awake
1: if you're going give yourself a little slap praise God I heard a couple slaps. <laughs> I'm so glad. The greater one lives in us. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Take a look around. <laughs> There's more, more for us than there is for them. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Steve. Uh-huh.
0: and i Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion, for your goodness. Thank you for being faithful, Father. You are truly faithful. You said you're faithful to a thousand generations, Lord. We're just in the beginning of that, so thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're not forgetful and that you remember your word, that you watch over it to perform it thank you for that thank you that you love us with a love that surpasses everything thank you father that nothing can remove us no created thing can remove us from your hand or from your love thank you for providing for having an answer for us for your grace thank you for your grace Lord upon us and an anointing upon each one of us To live in an excellent way for you. Yeah, Father, give us more excellence. Excellence of character. Excellence of integrity. Excellence of familiarity with you and your word. Thank you, Father. you Lord. Let's just say this together. I receive your grace. I receive of your peace. It is within me and on me. Peace is the hallmark of my name. Hallelujah. Well, one way that we love God in this house is we love on each other, and and in doing so, the peace that is in and on you will affect the person that's beside you and the person you talk to. So be bold, all right? Be bold in being family. Check up on each other. Are you doing all right? Is there something I can help you with? Are you walking in victory? Because no one needs to walk this alone, all right? All right. Love you guys. Bless you.
1: You are good. Good. Oh,
0: you are good.
1: The Lord. Glory to God. He deserves all our praise, all our worship, doesn't he? Amen. Welcome the Church of the Word International tonight. So glad to see each and every one of you. Bible says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourself with like-minded, hearted believers, especially as the day approaches. Praise God. Glad you're here. And I'd like to encourage our time in our worship. the lord and it's not just when we sing for a worship song it's the whole time we're here together it's a worship unto the father thanking him celebrating jesus inviting the holy spirit to move and dwell among us but in john 4 it says jesus is saying the hour is coming and now is that means right now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such to worship him god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth well it would behoove us to understand what that means wouldn't it and the book of psalms is so full and david is such a beautiful example of how to worship the father He did it in the good times and in the bad times. And in verse uh, Psalm 95, it starts with, Oh, let us sing and shout to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence. See, that's entering in purposely, intentionally, creating an atmosphere of praise around and about you. So that the father will inhabit those praises. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms for the Lord is a great God. I want to say a great, great God and a great king above all the gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. He's so worthy of our worship, isn't he? And we are his people. Aren't you glad that you belong to him? And we are his people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And on and on through all the Psalms, it is just David coming in a posture and a position of worship, giving honor to the Father and celebrating his presence. Let's stand up together tonight and let's do that very thing. Let's let's just... Take any thought that would come against you to intentionally place yourself in a position of worship before the Father, and let's just give him our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, our whole body, everything tonight, and let's celebrate his presence with us. Jesus, we invite you tonight. We celebrate your presence with us. You are the head of the church. We are the sheep of your pastor. So we ask you tonight to move, to speak, to touch do exactly what you will we're supple in your hands our hearts are open to the move of God tonight personally and corporately we invite you we celebrate you we honor you father thank you for your son Jesus Jesus thank you for the Holy Spirit we are so thankful to be a part of the household of faith and a part of this assembly in particular We're grateful for the good, good word of God. We're grateful for the spirit of God and the move of God, the freedom of the moving of the spirit in this place. Father, we're so thankful for the love of God in each one of our hearts as we prefer and love one another and honor one another, Father. And one way we honor you is by honoring one another. So, Father, continue to grow us up. In the things and the nature and the character of our Father, through the word and the moving of the Spirit in our hearts, let our ears be open tonight to what the Spirit is saying. Let our heart be supple, soiled to receive what the Spirit of God is saying. And Father, we position ourselves to receive tonight. We position ourselves to worship you tonight. We position ourselves in a place of thankfulness and gratitude for who you are and how good you've been our whole lives. You never change. Our future is bright. We bless you. We honor you. We love you. We celebrate you tonight. We celebrate each other because you are in each one of us. And we've come together in the unity of the faith tonight. To celebrate your love to celebrate who you are we We thank you and give you all the praise and glory for who you are and what you're going to do in the mighty name of Jesus well one way we love God is by loving one another so turn your neighbor and tell him I love you glad you're here let's believe God Preschool is in the service tonight. So all you preschoolers, stay with your mom and dad. Everyone else is released.
2: Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be back and see you all. You know, we miss you when we're gone. We sure do. It's always good to come back. Well, I'm glad to be missed. Well, we're going to welcome any first-time guests that are with us tonight. If you're here for the very first time, just raise your hand so we can clap and rejoice that you're here. Anyone here for the first time? All right. We're all family tonight. So we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hands, and one of our lovely ushers will bring one to you. Or handsome. (laughs) I said lovely, but that, you know. It's good to have fun. All right, well, we are going to exhort you a little bit tonight in your finances. We like to do that every week because, you know, your finances represents your life. I mean, much of your life, your time, you know, what you do with it. Your money takes on the character of the one that has it in its hand. So how many know that God's way is the way out of every problem. Yes. You believe that? Well, whether you believe it or not, it's the truth, right? <laughs> his ways are right. His precepts are right. You know, what he has said we should do and how he has said we should do it, that's the road to success every time. Well, are we on that? Are we doing it his way? Well, if you are, then you're on the right path, the path that leads to good things, the path that leads to peace in every area. As I was asking the Lord what he wanted me to bring out tonight in this portion, um, this phrase just came up on the inside, that giving is the way out of lack. Giving is the way out of lack. Now, I know that's not a new thought to many of us here. You know, it's not about new. It's about what does the Lord want for tonight. So never think that, oh, I've heard that before. Well, that's just, it's not real enough then to you. But that's what the Lord brought up on the inside, is giving is the way out of lack. So turn to Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to read just verse 38. I'm going to read a couple scriptures. Why? you got to have scriptures for what we say is biblical, yeah. right? So I'm going to give you a couple scriptures, that, and there's many, many, but I'm, these were just the ones that I felt impressed to read tonight. It says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap only if that's how you gave. Why do I say that? It says, For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you gave it out that way, then it will be given into your lap. Now, some translations say uh, men will give into you, it will be given to you by men, in other words. So this is, this is a promise that you can count on. This, is, this will work every time. Now, this is contrary, what we just read is contrary to what a lot of people believe. They would say, you know, if you don't have much, because what I just read was an answer, an answer to if you need, here's how. You need some, you don't have, an, you need to be given to, give, and it shall be given to you. But a lot of people think this, if you don't have much, hold on to it, because you don't have much. So don't give it away because you're going to need it, right? That's contrary to this. We should believe this. That's what the word says. The word says, give and it shall be given to you. And that really, and you might say, well, okay, but that was not the, the context. Really, if you'd read that whole chapter, you'd notice that the context here was in the area of how you treat people. Okay, so this, but this principle covers every area. Why do I say that? Because in Galatians, it says, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. So we know that give, as you give, you shall reap, and uh, give and it shall be given. That also applies to finances. But think broader. Think broader as I'm speaking tonight. It covers every area, this principle. So go now to 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now we're answering or giving scripture for the phrase that giving is the way out of lack. So that's what we're looking for here. Well, suppose here, now this said if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly, generously going to reap generously. Well, suppose you have a lot of financial lack. And since your need is so big, and what you have is so small, you, know, you better just hold on to it, or, or just sow just a little bit, because you have so much need. Is that what that—this is saying opposite of that, right? This is saying if you have need, you need to sow generously so you reap generously. Isn't that what it's saying? According to this scripture, operating like that, you're going to just sort of tread water know, do, operating like that, uh, this isn't going to give you any significant steps out of lack to just be like, have the thought process, well, I don't have much, so we got to hold on to it. Hey, I've heard things like that. I've heard it across the pulpit, you know, not this pulpit, <laughs> but I've heard that kind of thing. But, you know, a sparing harvest, when you, when you sow sparingly and you, you've got a sparing harvest coming, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to make much of a dent when you need an abundant harvest. See, this is answers. Giving is the way out of lack. Now, don't think amounts because you remember the the widow's mite? Jesus said she gave more than all these enormous amounts these rich people were pouring in the offering basket. Her little two pennies or half a penny or, I don't know, some minute number was more than. So, don't think, oh, well, I can't give generously because I can't write, you know, multiple zeros behind my figure. It's, it's percentage, right? The Lord sees per- percentage. And that's the unique thing about giving, that it's unique to each one. What's generous to me might not be generous to you, or vice versa. And the Lord knows that. That's not, it's no number attached to it. And of course, we know this one. How about Malachi? This is a way out of giving. What does it say in Malachi 3.10? I know we all know this scripture, that we bring in the full tithe so that there may be food in his house. And test me in this, the Lord says, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing, I love the ESV, says, until there's no more need. So what does that tell you? If you have need, what should you be doing? You should be operating in the tithe principle because he promised, and he's good for it, he promised to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing till there's no more need. Again, giving is the way out of lack. Can we see that? Giving in faith, that is. Giving in faith. You know, I had to think of this when I was reading over some of these scriptures. Giving in faith always works, but giving in fear or giving out of a manipulative motive, controlling motive, not so much. I and I've actually witnessed this or You know, you could, maybe I'll say it this way, you could give, you could empty all of your bank account out of fear, out of, you know, manipulation. We're trying to get something. We're trying to, and Lord can't bless that. So giving in faith always works. Doing it God's way always works. Brings you out every time. So you can just put your faith to that. If there's need in your life, lack in your life, do it God's way he'll bring you out all right let's pray father we're so grateful to be here tonight grateful to have you as master grateful to have you as father and I just thank you Lord that you've given us a way out we thank you for your word that we can count on we thank you for your promises to provide promises to bless and so we just present our tithe to you tonight and our offerings and I just call every tither blessed, every giver blessed, according to your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you're meeting their needs because you promised it so. And we know you're good for it. So we just thank you in advance for the answers. In Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give unto the Lord. All right, we've got CityGate Columbia tomorrow. If you want to be a part of that, contact Karen or show up. Also, youth and young adults impact here at the church tonight. If you're graduating this year, uh, sign up in the back. High school or college? If you're graduating high school or college, sign up in the back so we can give you some recognition. Next week, am I right in that? Next week is our model landmark, the thirteenth. Oh, this is Saturday. I'm already in. Listen, I've already started filling out my planner for next week. So. So I'm already thinking, you know, June 6th, 7th, and hold on. Right. So not this coming Monday, a week from Monday, but anyway, it made sense in my head. So that's coming up. If you haven't signed up, haven't registered, please do so. You're not going to regret being there. And registering helps us know how many to provide food for. So that is important. And also how many children will be in child care.
0: I have two things that I want to mention. First, uh, Gene English has gone, um, he left today, flies out this evening, and is going on a trip into Ukraine and to do the work of the Lord there that he feels directed to do. So keep him in prayer. And if you would like to be a part of uh, the financial solutions for him, you can, uh, you can do that in the offering basket. And then uh, one more thing to be aware of and you can, on Tuesday, reach out to these two, these two men of God. But John and Josh are having birthdays on Tuesday, right? And so they're both turning 40 again. And <laughs> that means more to John than it does Josh, I think, because he's praising the Lord over here. But, you know, they both carry a very important role in this house. And so, so bless them and, and um, wish them uh, do something nice for him. How's that?